So we're looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It says this, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each not look to their own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, Christmas isn't what it used to be. For the majority of people in our culture, Christmas is not celebrated as a religious holiday, it's a secular holiday. Even for those of us who are believers in Jesus, if we're not careful, our celebration of Christmas can look just like the world as well, and become more of a secular holiday. You know, we know that Jesus is the reason for the season. We know that, that it's important to remember the birth of Christ at Christmas time. But what do we do at Christmas time? We often do the same things that the world does. We have parties, we uh, make food, we buy presents, we put up, you know, holiday dis- displays. And, and sometimes, like, that's all of what Christmas is to us. And sometimes I think that we can miss something about Christmas. The Encyclopedia Britannica actually puts it quite shockingly. It says this, Since the early 20th century, Christmas has also been a secular family holiday, observed by Christians and non-Christians alike, devoid of Christian elements, and marked by an increasingly elaborate exchange of gifts. In this secular Christmas celebration, a mythical figure named Santa Claus plays the pivotal role. I was shocked that the encyclopedia put it that way, that Christmas, it's no longer a religious holiday, it's a secular family holiday. And that's how we often celebrate, even as believers, if we're not careful, we just make it a secular family holiday. And I think there's a lot of factors, a lot of reasons why that happens. Of course, the culture has a lot to do with that. What we're being told, what is marketed to us, what is being told is important to us. And so the culture plays an important role. But I think there's another thing at play as well. Maybe multiple, but one I'd like to highlight is this. is I I think we have trouble resting at the feet of baby Jesus. I, I think we have trouble resting at the feet of baby Jesus. What do I mean by that? Why do we have trouble? Well, I think first because baby Jesus doesn't make sense to us. We're blessed to have a lot of kids at our church, and that's awesome that we get an opportunity to invest in the next generation, and we take that responsibility very, uh, you know, very seriously. But I got to admit, before I was a parent, kids kind of scared me. They just scared me. I didn't know how to relate to kids. Um, I was the, you know, the oldest, and I, I just wasn't around a ton of kids growing up. Um, just had one brother, and so. I went to seminary, and I was an academic. Like, I, I wrote papers, and I, I talked about theology, and, and I hung out with adults. I didn't have much interaction with children. And so children kind of scared me because, 
Number one, they were kind of a threat to my logic. Like, I, I, they, they didn't make sense to me. Like, they did things that were illogical. They often lived in a, a world of make-believe. Uh, they were, you know, messy. And so to me, it's like, kids kind of scared me a little bit. And it's like, I, I, you know, there was a little bit of a haughtiness there, maybe. It's like, oh, I'm doing these things. Like, I don't want to be doing childish things anymore. Thankfully, God changed my heart. And now I spend a lot of time talking with my son about a, a made-up zoo named the Paramelli Zoo and how we're going to go to the jungle someday. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But, you know, for those of us who are more academic, sometimes it's like kids don't make sense to us. Like, why do they talk? the way that they talk. And for those of us who are parents, it's like we, we experience that and it brings us joy to our heart like nothing else. But even in our culture at large, it's like some people are deciding not to have children at all because, you know, they're seen as kind of a hindrance to the good life. Like, you know, if you have children, you have to give up going to the chop house to go to Chuck E. Cheese's for special occasions. And, and so kids kind of are a threat to our logic in our culture, and yet God values children so much, and those of us who are parents know the joy that can be found in, in having children. But you think about it, sometimes I think even as believers, you know, we think about Jesus, God with skin on, God in a manger, and I think sometimes it makes us a little bit uncomfortable because we don't know what to do with that. I mean, think about it, God existed from all eternity past, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, God spoke the galaxies into existence. God knows all of the complexities of this world greater than any scientist that ever lived. He knows how everything works. He's more pure and righteous than, than anyone that we could ever imagine. He, Paul says that he dwells in unapproachable light, and yet he chooses to humble himself and take the form of a baby. A baby who was dependent, a baby who cried, baby who needed to be changed. And that, that kind of humility is sometimes hard for us to understand. But here's the reality. When you see someone who's really good with kids, you can tell who's really good with kids and who isn't really good with kids. What are the people who are really good at kids? If a kid approaches them, what do they do? They, they kneel down. They're on the same level. It's not, I'm up here and you're down there. You get down on the same level. And that's what God did. He got down on the same level with us. And he became a human being. And when it comes to the Christmas season, there are many different things that may be pulling for our attention, like you know, Christmas parties. We want to put on a good party or have a killer dish that everybody loves or decorating our homes, putting up Christmas lights and Christmas decorations or um, presents. For many of us, like the gauge of a good Christmas is like presents, like, for kids, oftentimes it's receiving the presents. I remember a kid that once said, uh, it's actually my wife's brother when he was a kid. Um, somebody asked him, so how was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? And he's like, it was okay, but I didn't get the video game. And like that, that's the gauge of, like, a good Christmas for kids. It's like, if you got the good gift, then that's a good Christmas. And for those of us who are adults, sometimes it's not, you know, receiving the gift. It's like if our spouse really likes the gift that we got them or our kids really like the gift that we got them. Like that's sometimes the gauge of how we say what is a good Christmas for us. And despite what we might believe or say, it's like those are the things that we associate with Christmas. It's like presents, parties, food. And that's how we gauge a good Christmas. 
And we bemoan kind of the commercialism and busyness of the Christmas time, but I, I think maybe there's something deeper that baby Jesus makes us a little bit uncomfortable because it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense that the God of the universe would become a little baby. I mean, like, Easter, Good Friday, like, that makes more sense. It's like, okay, Good Friday, Jesus died for our sins. He took our place. We see the humility in that. We see the, uh, the victory over death in Easter. But Jesus, God, becoming a baby? Because when you take away all the decorations and the lights and the food, what are we left with? We're left with a little baby crying in a manger. He's in a little backwoods town, animal feeding trough. There's no not lights, there's no glitter, there's no, uh, nothing that would you know, associate with the, the coming of a king. It's just quiet and all you can hear is Jesus crying. And that little baby that's crying is God. Like That doesn't make sense to us. How do we wrap our minds around the fact that the God of the universe, all-powerful being, becomes a baby? And so I think we sometimes have trouble you know, with the reality of what Christmas is. And so we make it about other things rather than about this incarnation, the fact that God got on our level. But also I think that we have trouble because we have trouble resting. We have trouble resting at the feet of Jesus because of that resting part. I mean, we live in a culture where it's very difficult to rest, where we occupy every moment of the day. And if we have any moment that's you know, free, it's like we occupy it with our phones or, or television, or maybe we add a leisure activity, and we go from place to place to place, thing to thing to thing, and we're just, you know, addicted to busyness. And, you know, sometimes we complain about that busyness, but for many of my, us, I, myself included, I mean, sometimes busyness, like, makes us feel like we're worthwhile, right? Like, if we're doing something, if we're needed, it's like, then we're valuable. But there's a humility in rest that when we choose to rest, we're saying, the world doesn't depend upon me. Like the world can keep going without me. Like I am dependent upon God, that I need him, I need to rest in him, and the world can keep functioning without us. And so I think there are two reasons we have trouble sitting at the feet of Jesus is, again, because, you know, it doesn't make sense to us. We have trouble wrapping our minds around God becoming a baby. And also because we just have trouble resting. And as we go throughout the Christmas season, I think sometimes we get to the end of the season and maybe we feel a little bit more depleted than when we started. We feel more empty than when the Christmas season began. Several years ago, I went to New York City and uh, went out there for a day with my brother and his girlfriend. And I had been to New York City dozens and dozens of times technically because I had, you know, Stopped there on layovers for different flights and whatnot, but I'd never really just gone and visited the city. And so I decided I wanted to just kind of see the landmarks of the city for a day. And so one of the places that we were going to go is we wanted a real authentic New York style pizza. And so we looked up reviews of, of where we should go. We found this restaurant that had really high reviews. And we get there, and we, where we, we take the ferry to get into New York City. And then once we get there, we realize it's, this restaurant's pretty far away. It wasn't far enough to take a taxi. There wasn't an easy subway route to get there. But it was a distance away. And it's lunchtime. And, uh, but we're just, we're committed. We're going to go there. We're going to go to this place, experience like a real New York-style pizza. So we start walking. 
And we see pizza place after pizza place, and we're just starving. And, you know, we could smell it, and there was one place that was like a dollar for a slice, and it's like, how can we turn this down? But we're just like, you know, our eyes are focused forward. We're not looking at all these pizza places. We probably passed like 12 pizza places on the way to get there. Finally, we get there starving to death, and we go in, and it's like this really crowded place, and uh, we ordered, it was like just like a half cheese, half pepperoni, or something like that, and it was like $30 uh, for a large pizza, minus the tip, you know, minus the tip. And uh, it wasn't very good, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, like, this is our trip to New York City, we have one day here. There's literally thousands of restaurants that we could have chosen, dozen, maybe a dozen pizzerias that we could have stopped at, even for a dollar, and we walked all the way here, spent all of this money for a pizza that wasn't very good. I wonder if sometimes maybe we feel a little bit like that when it comes to Christmas. When Christmas is over, we get to the end of the season, and it's like, we spent a lot of money, we put in a lot of effort. Maybe we leave that season feeling more empty when, than when we start. I think that, you know, when we get to January, a lot of us start new things, like we're starting maybe exercising or dieting or uh, some other spiritual discipline. And of course, there's part of that that's just the newness of the new year and the fact that, you know, you could, it's easy time to start something new. But I think part of it might be that, like, we just feel empty, it's like we've been putting all of our effort into all of the, the, these holiday celebrations and all of this stuff. Then we get it to the time when it's over, and it's just we feel kind of empty. And so it's like, okay, let's start something new. Let's, let's pour ourselves into something else. But I think if we can find a way to truly sit at Jesus' feet during this holiday season, we can leave the holiday season not feeling empty but feeling full. And I think that's God's intention for us when it comes to Christmas. He, he doesn't want us to leave the holiday season feeling empty. We're supposed to celebrate together and to leave full, satisfied in all that God is for us. Now, what does that look like? Some of, some of us maybe, uh, tends to, ladies tend to be more involved in, you know, kind of the decorations and presents. So, so maybe some of the ladies are hanging your heads and like, maybe I shouldn't do as much. And some of you guys are like, okay, yes, minimalist Christmas, no presents, no parties. Hold on a second, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we should have a minimalist Christmas. I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate holiday um, gatherings and, and make good food and give presents. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. But what I am saying is that whatever we do, we need to make sure that it's not just a secular family holiday. We need to make sure that we're not just doing things like the world does it. We need to make sure that we are intentionally sitting at the feet of Jesus, no matter what practices we adopt as families or individuals, we need to make sure that we sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, what does that look like? I can't say for sure what it would look like in your family, but here's a couple ideas. So maybe as you're putting up your Christmas lights, or maybe some of us, you know, we like to go and drive around. I like to go with my family and drive around and, you know, see different Christmas light displays. You know, maybe before we do those things, we, we open up John 1 and read about how Jesus is the light of the world. Now the light shines in the darkness, and the reason we put up Christmas lights is, is to celebrate the fact that Jesus is that light. It's a little thing. We're still enjoying this celebration, but suddenly it be becomes meaningful. That's not just like, oh, that's nice, that's beautiful. Like That represents Christ and the light that he shines in our life. 
Maybe it's, you know, before we sit down to have a, you know, beautiful Christmas dinner. You know, maybe it's reading Psalm 34. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe praying together with the people that we're gathering, if that's possible. Maybe praying and saying, God, help us to, just like we taste and see that this food is good, may God help us to taste and see that you're, you and your presence are good. Help us to delight in you. Maybe it's Christmas morning. Maybe before we open presents, we thank God that he is the greatest gift. Maybe we read Psalm 37 and pray, Lord, thank you for these gifts you've allowed us to give and to receive. Help us to find our ultimate delight, not in these possessions, but in you and your presence. It's a little thing, but changes our perspective. And so we can still celebrate these holiday traditions, but suddenly they, they're no longer a secular family holiday. They remind us, they point us to Jesus. Maybe it's giving to someone who's in need or someone who maybe doesn't deserve our love. Maybe it's someone who's our enemy. Maybe it's choosing to give something to them, to show them grace at Christmas time. And maybe just in that remembering and teaching, if we have children, teaching them that, hey, Jesus has shown grace to us and coming to us. And we need to show grace to those around us. Again, your particular situation might look different. If you're single, it's going to look different than if you have a family. If your family are believers, it's going to look different than if your family are not believers. And so it will look different for each of us. But I think we all need to pray about, like, how do we make time for Jesus this Christmas? How do we not just go through the motions, but how do we sit at his feet and receive the joy that he has for us? There's an old uh, legend the Italians have. It's called the legend of Bafana. Bafana uh, was a lady who lived on the dusty road to uh, Bethlehem, it was said. And one night she got a knock at the door. She comes to the door and it's three wise men. Bafana was a very meticulous housekeeper. She had to have everything in order, which was especially difficult since she lived on this dusty road. But these wise men said, hey, we found, we're searching for the king, the prince of peace, the savior of the world. Would you come with us? But honestly, as they came into her house, all she could see was the dust that blew in when she opened the door, the, boot, the, the dust that was on their boots. And she said, I'd love to come, but I got to straighten up my house first. The, the wise men said, all you have to do is follow the star. She said, I'll, let me just finish up. I got a load of laundry to do. I got to get the house back in order. And then after that, I'll follow you. And so they left. So she worked all night long. The house was meticulous. All of the dust was gone. All the laundry was in order. She puts on this heavy cloak in the morning, has a little doll made of straw for the baby, and she leaves to find baby Jesus. But to her dismay, she realizes that the sky has turned dark. It's raining now. And the star that was once there is covered by clouds. She can't see the star. The present that she had was rained upon and was ruined. The little doll made a straw. Finally, she gave up and went home. She said to herself, I'm a foolish old woman. I missed my chance to worship the newborn Prince of Peace. Perhaps I will find him someday. So the legend is that each, day, each year she sets out with a bag full of presents 
And she goes to each household and leaves some presents there in hopes that one of those children that she leaves it for will be the king that she missed. We have a gift we've been given at Christmas. God sent his son to the earth to become like us. And as we go throughout the holiday season, let's make sure we sit at his feet. Let's make sure that we don't leave the season feeling empty, but let's make sure that we leave it feeling full. Because when we rest in the presence of King Jesus, we can't help but be satisfied by him. Again, it might look different for each of us, but let's make Christmas a religious holiday for us again. Let's not just go through the motions. Let's not just do what everyone else does, but let's be intentional about leading ourselves and our families into God's presence this Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift that you've given us at Christmas and becoming like us and getting down on our level, Lord. Help us as believers to be intentional to celebrate you this Christmas season. Lord, help everything that we do be honoring and glorifying to you. May we leave this season not empty and depleted, feeling like we're disappointed, like we've given everything, but let us leave this season feeling full, satisfied in all that you are for us. Lord, I just pray that you just be with the children as they sing for us. Be with those as well who are not feeling well, Lord. I just pray that they would feel better soon. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.